The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet is the... Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm Shannon Penrod and you're watching Ask Dr. Doreen on the Autism Network. And you can see before you, Dr. Doreen Grampy-Shea is here with us this morning. Good morning, Dr. Doreen. Good morning, Shannon, and good morning, everyone. Happy to be here. I am so thrilled to have all of you here, and I want to acknowledge that I have a slightly hysterical dog, and we're <laughs> going to hope that uh, it calms down a little bit, but my puppy is unhappy because people are in different rooms than they were today because I have somebody it's back to college today. Uh, but anyway, we're thrilled to be here with you guys this morning, and hopefully that won't drive all of you too crazy. Please let us know if it does, and I'll try to figure something else out. But Dr. Grampy Shea is here to answer your questions. That's really what we're here about today. And if you know Dr. Grampy Shea, you know she's a true expert in the field of autism. I believe the preeminent expert in the field, especially in this time, but what other time is there for autism? And she's been working in this field for 40 plus years. 40 plus. I know. Stop. We all want to know what her skincare regimen is. Uh, some I have a tube of it here. I might share it before we're done. Uh, so there we go. But uh, in any case, uh, we're thrilled that you guys are here. You, you might be watching us. If you're watching us live, you might be watching us on YouTube, on Twitter, on uh, Facebook or a dozen other sites. And Traven, our wonderful, wonderful producer, is showing you what some of those places are. You can always catch us in podcasts. We are a free download wherever you get your podcasts. We are once again this year the number one rated autism podcast. And that's all thanks to all of you guys. We hope that we are earning that. Uh, and that if you feel that that is, uh, we've been of some help to you, we do encourage you to share, like, review, let others know about us because we want to spend our time chasing down interesting stories for you, not creating marketing. <laughs> it's just, we'd rather you, you market us, uh, grassroots marketing. That's what I'm trying to say. But Dr. Grampichet is here. She's going to answer your questions in just a second. Please feel free to write in. You can also write in on our homepage, autism-live.com, which you can also find at autismnetwork.com. We really want to encourage you to start going to Autism Network because it's where everything is going to reside. We're slowly moving things over there, and we hope that you will check out what we have there. We've already loved. You guys have been making comments and telling us what you want to see, and if a button isn't working, man, we want to know. We'll get right on top of that. I do want to say, Dr. Grampiche, we're in the last week of taking submissions. All submissions have to be to us by the 1st of February for our, our the contest that we're running right now. We're looking for a new logo for the Autism Network, and we are only taking submissions from neurodivergent artists. You, If you identify as being neurodivergent, which covers a wide variety of things, by the way, but if you identify as being neurodivergent and you're an artist, please take a stab at that. We are uh, giving a $500 honorarium to the winning design, and it will be featured on all of our websites and, and everything that we do. So we, we hope that you'll submit. There's only one week left to find out the rules. Go to info at autismnetwork.com, and we'll shoot you over the rules. And you have to have a form that you have to fill out to uh, enter the contest. So uh, we hope that you will do that. Dr. Grampiche, is there anything oh, yeah. you'd like to say? Yeah. Sure, yeah. I mean, I love that we're doing this contest. As you know, I'm very supportive of, of uh, giving jobs to folks who are neurodivergent. I love that. But uh, I wonder if there's any way we can put the the rules on our on the Autism Network website, or if that's absolutely, we can put them on the on the website, and we can also put them on Autism Live's Facebook page. Exactly, fact, that's awesome. On, we can put it on the Facebook page for the Autism Network as well. We will. That's do so that good. Today. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. I'm I'm so excited to see the the uh, what people send in the submissions. Yes. 
Uh, we've already started to get some and I can't Ooh. wait to show them to you. So obviously right. you're going to be on the panel of people deciding. So excited. Um, excited. it will be really fun. I already have a plan that I want to put them all on the wall at, so that we can all vote. And I told this to somebody and they said, you know, you're never going to take them down. And I said, you know, you're probably very going <laughs> to live right on that wall. Uh, so we're excited about it. But, you know, that we only have a week left. It's not a big turnaround on this, but we're going to our plan is that we're going to announce the winner on February 14th during the live show here. Mm -hmm. So we hope that you guys will tune in to hear who that is. Lovely. We, we had a lot of questions that came in literally in the last 24 hours on our website and people mm -hmm. can pre-submit questions there. And I want to get to, to some of them, um, Dr. Grampichet, but we're taking live questions right now. So you guys can be writing in and asking questions. I, I want to say hello uh, to Christina and Amanda. We're so thrilled that you're here with us. That's how that works. You guys write in and we can see your comments. That's awesome. And Shannon, I, I don't know if you know, but I resumed now after the holidays uh, posting answers uh, on video on TikTok and Instagram and all of those under Ask Dr. Doreen. So that's back up and running. Okay. Can I tell you a very funny? Sure. Um, I am one of those people who has a bit of what we call insomnia and, and I'm guilty of, you know, scrolling on my phone. And I get, uh, you know, something will happen and I, you know how it is, you're looking at all your friends on Facebook and then a video pops up and you just yeah. find yourself. And I, uh, you know, I love me some Oprah and Oprah has this series that I guess she did all through the pandemic that's called the OG Chronicles. Mm. And, and so uh, it's Oprah and Gail and people ask them questions. So I was just watching OG Chronicle after OG Chronicle last night in bed. And then I came to the, one of those crazy videos where they just keep doing something forever and you just, you stay way too long because you want to see what happens. Yes. This, this person had stuck a, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a scrunchie that you, you know, what do you call them in the bathtub that you, you scrub with, you know what oh, I mean? Right. They stuck it in their toilet and then they started layering and they just kept, they, they, they were making all these designs with different color soap and all of this stuff. And I know you're like, where is this going, Shannon? But so I'm watching that. And then they cut to ads and they, and you stay because you want to see what happens when she eventually flushes the toilet. They cut to an ad and I'm looking at you and you were wishing us all a happy, safe new year and talking about how to deal with our stress. And I was like, Wait a second. Oh, that's Doreen, crazy. Doreen is in the middle of this video about, um, and eventually I watched and the toilet got clean. And, um, <laughs> but, well, but, but I got sidetracked because then I stopped and I clicked and, and listened to your whole message about for the new year and, and your tips for how to have a better stress-free new year, which I loved. Mm. I absolutely loved. I so appreciated it. So, <laughs> I, I'm just telling that's people. So don't funny! I, I didn't even know that 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 happens, but that's I, great. I didn't know that that happens either because I was like, Doreen's in the middle of my video. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, Doctor Grampuche. So anyway, I just thought it was super duper fun. Um, and so don't be surprised, you guys, if Doctor Doreen pops up somewhere at, while you're while you're scrolling, and and she's much more interesting than the toilet cleaning. Uh, <laughs> And honestly, you know, I love Oprah, but it was, I sort of would love to see you ask Oprah and Gail questions or them Ooh. ask you questions. Ooh. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. Mm, I, but can I be invited to make the coffee? I just yeah, let's, let's, okay. let's put some wishes into the universe and see what happens. Oprah, Gail, years ago, I had a dream that Oprah and Gail were my best friends and that I had a pizza party with them. And I woke up, I will, I woke up and I was like, well, how do we make that happen? I'm sure every, I'm sure every woman in America has had the same dream. We oh all want to have a pizza party with um, Oprah. And I, and I had made, I know that she likes popcorn with hot sauce. And so I had made some popcorn with hot sauce. Waiting for that. That's so awesome. I, I have it all ready. Anyway, uh, I digress. In any case, watch Dr. Doreen on, so it's Ask Dr. Doreen on TikTok and, and check that out. Okay. So let's launch into some questions here. Uh, last night, somebody wrote in and said, sorry if this is personal, haha. But as I've come to accept my autism, I've also come to conclude that my bowel issues are most likely related to it. 
Is there a reason why autistic people have issues with their digestion? Is it solely because of our at times picky diets or is it just a thing that happens? And here we go. That's a great, great question. And thank you so much. And um, I will try to not spend the next entire hour talking about it because it's a big issue in our society and very much so for individuals on the spectrum, but in general for all of us. And no, it doesn't have to do with being picky. In fact, I think being picky is sort of a result of it, but let let me kind of talk about what it is. So to begin with, um, the reason that bowel issues or gastrointestinal inflammation, which is really, you know, so your your bowels, your intestines are swollen, uh, seems to be more prevalent with individuals who are autistic. Um, the reason is that basically there's a genetic component of autism that has to do with Redox. Redox means getting rid of toxins, our, our, our body's ability to detoxify itself. And from everything that we have learned, it seems that people who are autistic have, this is a congenital condition, it's you're, you're born with this um, ability to redox slower than, than everyone else. So your redox cycle is slightly too slow for the amount of toxins that are in our environment. So, and I always want to kind of just put this on a continuum and make it very real. So the example that I give is, you know, um, two people can have a drink, like the same drink. Two people can have a glass of wine. This is actually very, you know, I, I'll, this is so true. Like me and my husband, for example, we can each have a glass of wine for him. It's absolutely nothing. It's as if he's had water and that's because he's younger than I am. And also because he's an athlete and also because he's, uh, um, has extremely high redox. So he detoxifies from things very, very rapidly. Whereas for me, I detox, I, um, my redox cycle is slower. So one glass of alcohol is about all I can handle. Right. And then I'm just like, and I have a hangover the next day and I like, it just doesn't do well for me. So a lot of people have, you know, so our redox cycles are a whole kind of curve, right? Some of us are really good or just are born with the ability to detoxify. Others are not. And we fall on this continuum. Unfortunately, uh, you know, people with autism tend to be on the lower side of the curriculum of the continuum. So they have a harder time detoxifying. Now, this would be years and years and years ago. So we're talking like 40 years ago, let's say the level of toxicity in our environment was so low that even people with the lowest redox cycle were not highly affected by it. But toxicity in our environment over the last 40 years has just gradually increased. And now it's gotten to the point where not only does it affect people who have a lower redox cycle, it's affecting all of us. Even people who have a pretty high redox cycle are affected by it. And when I talk about toxicity, I'm talking about all the things in our environment that our body has to work to detoxify from. So this would include, uh, you know, plastic. When when we use plastic, and and for those of you who are a little older, or older, you remember that, you know, 40, 50 years ago, we didn't have plastic. We had glass. Everything was in glass. In fact, that's kind of why when plastic came out, people were so excited about it. They had Tupperware parties. It was like, what is this cool item? Little did we know that years later, it would cause massive amounts of toxicity for the whole world. That's one. And that like, so our water source is also affected. That's a whole different, I can go into and talk a lot about how our water sources and our food source uh, became toxic. A lot of it has to do with pesticides that were used just a few years ago, probably more like 20 years ago. And um, these pesticides, of course, later, the bigger companies that produced these pesticides were sued 
Um, and they changed the formulas a little bit, but not all that much. And to be honest, all of our soil, all of our water has already been contaminated with pesticides. And it will take a long, long time to reverse that. So, um, yes, we are ingesting a lot of toxins. It's really funny, Shannon, because I am today on the 11th day of doing uh, the Whole30 diet. I don't know if you know Whole30. Whole30 is basically you do not eat anything that is coming out of a box, right? So everything you eat has to be a whole food that is basically organic, so it's like, uh, you know, uh, just meats, vegetables and pro like and fruit. And that's it. Like, and nuts you're allowed except for peanuts. But you are not allowed any sugar. You are not allowed anything that is fake. Right. So like anything that has some sort of preservative, let's say, um, obviously no alcohol and no grains. So no pastas and all that. And I cannot even tell you what a difference it has made in my GI system and my gastrointestinal system. And then how I feel like my energy level is definitely higher, but more importantly, I was also one of those people struggling with irritable bowel and bloating inflammation after pretty much everything I ate at this point. And it's only 11 days. And I feel like a different person and so I, I think it definitely is a big issue. Our food source is no question about it. Probably one of the most important things to get, a, get your um, hands on when you have a child with autism is the diet. There you go. Well, and that sort of answers one of the next questions that we, uh, Ushlad had written in and said, um, hello, I have a question. How important is organic food for our kids? Does this make any difference? And yeah. so I, I think you just answered that. And I and also want to say to the person who had re written in, um, you know, I, I do think, I, you know, I, I everybody that we've had on over the last 10 years, all the experts that we've had about nutrition talk about the fact this redux thing is a real thing with a lot of people, not just with people with autism, but it means that we have to deal with the gastrointestinal issues. Too often, people, this, the person who wrote in said, you know, am I just supposed to accept this? I, I've accepted that I have autism. Am I supposed to accept the digestion? Please don't. There, no. there is a better life for you. I love that in Western culture, they say happy gut, happy life. Here in Eastern culture, we say happy wife, happy life. But, yeah. you know, the truth is, if your gut isn't happy, it's very hard to learn. It's very hard to be joyous. It's very hard to be grateful. That's when, right when your gut isn't happy. So please, um, you know, take a look at that. And I'm a, big seriously, fan yeah. Of, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the organic thing. When our family went largely organic, it made a huge difference for my son and his ability to focus. And it made a huge difference for me. So, and I now, when I eat things that are not organic, boy, I, I feel it. So yeah, uh, and be careful because there's a lot of, you know, people will call things organic when they're not. And there are, you, you also have to kind of be careful because organic basically says they're not using chemical pesticides, but you also need to kind of worry about the soil that they're using and the water and so on. Yeah. I think it's important to know your farmers, um, and, and to be a local vor, you know, um, I know people that take this to an extreme that I can't, um, but I know people who saw this with their kids and said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to pay a farmer to butcher an animal for me once a year and we're going to pack the freezer and that's where all of our meat is going to come from. I don't go to that extreme, but you know, we belong to a CSA that delivers grocery direct from the farm every week. And, and, and I grow, you know, I don't know if you were part of the great bean festival of 2020, Dr. Grand Pichet, but I grew these purple beans in my front yard that were insanity. And now I have snow peas planted. So in about a month, there will be bushels of snow peas. I'll bring them. Nice. For everybody. nice. Um, and, you know, easy enough to grow. So um, I know you're getting ready to plant at your house. I am. I need, I'm going to, I'm trying to actually find someone who can help me set up a real good farm because, you know, I've I mean, got something for you. Oh, great. Great. So, 
Uh, okay. So uh, yeah. Um, fantastic. And, and if anybody wants to know, I've got the best place for seeds there. Um, it's Baker heirloom seeds. They sell all organic heirloom seeds. And I'm telling you these things, you put it in the ground and it grows. It's crazy. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and they're, and it's on, on fleek as the kids used to say. Okay. I got to get to some of these questions here. Uh, super important. Somebody wrote in last night that they just started dating someone about two mm-hmm. weeks ago before yeah. we had even kissed. I told him that I don't like light touches, especially on my face, actually that I don't like people to touch my face at all. And they say, I still have not told him that I'm autistic. After we started dating, he proceeded to caress my face. He said it was just to check if I didn't like it. I said that I didn't and removed his hand. I saw him yesterday and I feel like I want to break up already. He touched my face constantly and I've had to, I had to remove it every time. And every time he said that he forgot, not only that, he loves to touch me all the time. I can't stand it. I don't feel comfortable. And sometimes I don't feel safe. And they are, are revealing that it's a gay relationship. The thing is that I like him. Sometimes I feel like I'm the one that's wrong because that's been a problem in every relationship that I've had. Any advice, Dr. Grampiche? And first of all, I want to thank this person for writing in. We're going to be talking more and more about dating and relationships on the show. And so thank you for, for kicking that off for us. Absolutely. And and just love that question. Thank you very much for sharing. So first of all, good for you for being clear with or telling him that you don't like light touches on your face. Good for you. Like I think that is the beginning of a good relationship is good communication. So I think you did a good job there. I don't think, you know. We all go into relationships and we learn. So nothing is perfect. It's it's always going to be both sides giving what they can and both sides being flexible enough to pay attention to the other side and and see see if they can change themselves a little bit to to fit the relationship better. So it's it's a work in progress. Relationships don't just click from the get go, right? That you kind of have to work on them. So. Don't think that this is a bad thing and, and, you know, don't put on yourself the label that I think it's something about me because I've had this issue with other relationships. Let's just work on this relationship and see what we can do to maybe it'll work. But what has to happen, because I don't, I don't, you know, if you had told him you don't like light touches on your face and he specifically touched your face lightly to test you I don't know that that's a very kind thing to do I'm not sure that's okay so why don't you do the following and I'm glad to you know it's great that you like him and you want to give it another chance right so we're there if you want to give it another chance and you like him do two things one is tell him that you like him I would tell him and then say but these are the things that are just not okay for me. Like, I don't like you touching me all the time. I might in the future, but right now I don't. Like, maybe it wasn't clear enough to him. And you have to be very expressive about that and and make sure he understands. Now, it's entirely up to you if you want to go further and share with him that you have autism. That's a different story. That's a personal choice. But if you do decide to tell him, then I would suggest that you tell him because of the autism, I am sensitive to certain things on my skin, but also list some of the amazing, awesome things that go with autism. For example, you know, I'm also sensitive to people's feelings or I'm also very creative or I'm also, uh, you know, I have an incredible ability to remember things, all the amazing things. So there's always, it's, you know, autism has pluses and it has all just like everything else, just like all of us, everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And you might want to just make sure that you're very clear with him, whether or not you label it, that's up to you, but just be very clear And make sure that he knows that you're not just telling him what not 
to do. But you're also telling him, listen, I do like you. So I'd like to spend more time, but it has to be under these conditions. And you've done nothing wrong. You've done everything right there because you're protecting yourself. You're doing something that's going to be good for you. And you're very, in a caring way, explaining what kind of relationship you want. And I think that's always very essential. Such great advice, Dr. Grand Pichet. I have, I have dogs barking all over the house now. Um, I apologize to everyone. But um, I do want to say that one of the things that I learned in autism, um, because I'm I'm not good at boundaries. I, I don't think, you know, as as loving and fabulous as my parents were, I don't think that they were taught boundaries. So And so I don't think that they knew how to teach me boundaries. I can't speak for anybody else. Right. But it wasn't until my son was in his ABA program and they were teaching him boundaries and levels of friendship. And, and it was just fascinating to watch how they were teaching someone this. And, and people say all the time, well, ABA, it just turns people into yes people. And then they don't, then they're fodder to be taken advantage of. And I found it exactly the opposite. Can I just say, I found that ABA taught my son how to tell people no. And when to tell people no, and that it was up to him. And I have always, that's one of the many things that I cherished about it. But we went through a circumstance when he was in first grade, that there was a little boy that he just adored in his classroom. And he, you know, this little kid was his buddy and he wanted to do everything with him. And the kid was mean to him. And I don't mean just mean, the kid had problems and he would, they would go out on the playground and more than once they found him taking the little cords in my son's hood and trying to strangle my child with them. And fortunately, you know, my son had an aide on the, on the playground. And so he didn't choke him, but I mean, it happened more than once and they took the kid aside and, and, but they also, our team of ABA people also talked to Jen about it, about, you know, why is he doing that? And what do you say when he does that? And then Jem said to him, stop, you're hurting me. I don't like what you're doing. Stop. And that his friend kept doing that. And what the ABA therapist taught him, and I was there in the room and it was such a, you know, one of those light bulb moments for me. What they said Mm -hmm. is, you know, they'd already taught him levels of friendship and that you can have people that you trust and people that are just acquaintances and so on and so forth. And they said, when you tell a friend that to stop, that they're hurting you and they don't, then they are not a close friend. Right. Right. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I was an adult. You know, those memes where they say I was this many days old when I learned this, I was that many days old. I was an adult and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that, that A, you can say to somebody, please stop, that's hurting me. And if you say it and they keep doing it, then it's time to step away. That doesn't mean you don't, you you don't have to like hate them or it might be that they're not capable of stopping. Right. Um, But it does mean, you know, you're not going to get your needs met and that that is a different level of friendship. We can have acquaintances, but and, and I, I was like, oh my goodness, I watched them teach that to my son and I learned it right along with him. Absolutely. So I, I love that we're talking about this and, and getting, you know, your needs met in the relationship and communicating your needs. But if your needs aren't being met in the relationship, I don't know. I think especially for a lot of us, we think that we're supposed to be teachers, lifelong teachers. And I do believe in investing in relationships where you learn together but if somebody, if you tell somebody this is hurting me and they don't stop, then they're not a close friend. That's right. That's right. Words to live by. Words to live by. Okay. we got so many questions that are coming in here. I want to go to Dark Angel who says, hello, my son can read flashcards and can tell you the name of whatever you point out if he knows. But I can't understand why he can't have, express himself on his own. He has four words he says on his own. Sending right. you a hug, Dark Angel. We get this question a lot, Dr. Grampshay. We do, yeah. So, Dark Angel, this is great that you're writing in right now. Why don't you let us know? You know, is what are the what would you like him to express himself on? Because it's very different. Like the four words that he says on his own. Usually, the way that we start expressing ourselves is things that we want, right? So, are the four words that he is expressing on his own? the things that he wants 
And can you begin to build those into sentences as opposed to single words? So why don't you let me know the answer to that and we'll keep talking about it. Yeah, I also want to say that we have a wonderful speech and language language pathologist who's going to start joining us for different segments throughout the week. And you're going to want to look out for her playlist um, that I'm really excited about, this new edition that we're going to have. Right. Um, but but I, I also want to say, you know, please write in and tell Dr. Grampishi that because I, I know because my son went from what your son is doing to being so verbal, doing what Dr. Grampishi says. <laughs> so- I mean, it's, it's just about building the things that are meaningful, because the first part of this question is about a different type of language that's called tacting, labeling things. Uh, becomes important later. Initially, though, the first thing that's very important is manding, asking for things. And we have to build that massively first, and then we can make tacting become spontaneous. It's sort of an order that you have to go into. And the thing that we all want, Dr. Grampiche, is introverbals. And if people want to know all these things, go to the jargon of the day and you can learn about all of these things. Because what you really want, what we all want is introverbals. Yeah. Um, but there's a process mm-hmm. for everyone, even little kids that are considered completely typically developing. There's a process. Uh, Ka wants to know, I love this question, Ka. I have a question as to therapies and services. My son was diagnosed with autism and ADHD after three years, finally, and he is seven and everyone says early intervention and clearly he missed that part. I'm sending you a hug because I know, I know you feel like you missed the boat, but her question is, will he continue to benefit from services? He uh, is just now starting at such an older age and she's got two question marks there. Yes. So yes, uh, that's a great question, and he absolutely will continue to benefit. In fact, you benefit from these early intervention is mostly uh, ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis. You benefit from ABA no matter what age you are. It doesn't matter. You could be an adult, right? But the, the reason that they push early intervention is that there's usually when an individual is diagnosed with autism, they have a lot of skills missing, a lot of delayed skills. And so you need a ton of time to teach all of these skills, right? Like I, I give the example, many of my kids who have recovered or living a completely functionally normal life, uh, when I first met them at two or three, had no words, no communication, no eye contact, no appropriate play, no, they had a lot of challenging behaviors because they were very frustrated. So we had to spend, you know, three, four, five years of intensive work teaching them all the things they needed so that by the time they became, let's say, seven or so, they could actually integrate and function with other kids at school and and kind of the normal life, you know, things that are on us in normal life, environmental factors. But when you're starting at seven, it makes me think that your child must be very high functioning to begin with, that it took so long to get a diagnosis. So that means you have fewer things to teach, right? So maybe your child is seven, but in terms of their social behavior or their language behavior, maybe they're at the level of, let's say, a five-year-old, right? That being said, yes, you definitely can. You still need to do a lot of work for the next couple of years, which is just how it is. ABA is is a lot of work. Um, But you have a very good chance of teaching him everything he needs to learn in order to function independently with his peers. Um, I do suggest one of the ways to speed things up is to make sure the ADHD doesn't get in the way. Uh, I do personally, I recommend for kids who are, you know, ADHD has two types, right? It has the inattentive type and the hyperactive type. And if your child has the inattentive type, that's not, that's very similar to autism. You can just work on it through ABA. If your child has the hyperactive type, that is the child who can barely sit down for a minute. And that 
I do recommend talking to a physician who specializes in ADHD because there are medications that will help slow the child down a little bit so that they are more able to learn. And that's just a matter of, it's a time game. So you want to make sure your child is learning as much as they possibly can with every single hour of ABA you do, and that will help you, you know, be done with the whole thing sooner. So making sure your child is healthy, sleeping well, uh, you know, if they have hyperactivity, that's under control. If they have other issues, those types of things are are stabilized so that they can really benefit from the ABA. That's important. And she has written in what I feared, Dr. Grampichet. I know that experts like you, you know, when you look at it and go, a child just got diagnosed at seven, that it must be that they have a lot of skills because it would be unconscionable to think that someone could be so, you know, the people around this child, not the parent, because the parents are trying always, but you know, that they're not diagnosing and, um, but it happens every day of the week. And this is what they have said, that he is not high functioning. Uh, at all. A limited speech and behaviors. He's in an autistic classroom, which is why I'm so upset that they dragged their feet with this diagnosis. She said his ADHD is severe and most definitely in his way. And she says, okay. I started the journey to get him medication because he cannot sit still at all. Good. Can, I ju- can I just say that this is a child that I, you know, parent to parent, I would like to encourage you to take out you know, the, or get it, get him as organic as possible, take out the artificial colors and flavors and get rid of sugar. I say, I I say that for every child. And I agree with you because I think the big thing is that if you can try to get him uh, to, to be really open for learning, really available for learning, the things you have to do are fix his diet get him some medication that will slow him down a little bit. And when I say fix his diet, I mean, you also need to eliminate sugar. You need to eliminate food colorings from his food and then, and make sure he's sleeping. Okay. Get, you know, feed him organic foods, try to eliminate dairy. Oh, that's the other part of this whole 30 thing is I'm off dairy and I'm off gluten. And I feel like heavenly, like, Oh my gosh, I wish I had done this sooner. So get him off of dairy and gluten, casein and gluten. Uh, It seems like harder work than honestly, it's not that hard these days. There's so much available to us. And once you've done that, then yes, do the intensive ABA. It doesn't matter that he's seven. Get an ABA provider. That's your next challenge, by the way. While you're cleaning up his diet and all this sort of stuff, start looking for a good ABA provider who is willing to request a 40-hour program for him. A lot of ABA providers won't do that at the age of seven because insurance companies give you a very, very hard time if you ask for a very intense program at the age of seven. But do it anyway, because even if you get him on a 20-hour program, he's going to rapidly start changing and learning. And so don't worry don't look to the past. Just go for it. You're on the right path and you're doing the right thing for him right now. There you go. Um, and please feel free to write me if you need uh, some more. Shannon at autism-live.com. I want to acknowledge that she's done a lot already diet-wise and that she does have him sleeping really well. So those are all things that are good. You're, they're in your good column. You're getting it done. And that good ABA is going to be real essential now. Uh, so many people writing in. I got so many things. Uh, uh, Aaliyah wrote in and said, my son is nine years old, autistic. He started saying few were, a few words in the last six months. Initially, he had uh, one word speech, which regressed at two years of age. Is there any hope at this age that he will develop more speech and language? A nine-year-old. Uh, it's yeah. very exciting. It is very exciting and I'm really glad that's that's a, a breakthrough, you know, and it's awesome. And you should actually look and see kind of what has changed in his in his uh, environment, perhaps also in his diet. And that would be very important. It, uh, regression around age two is very, very common. And I'm not going to get into why it's common, but it is around 18 months to 24 months is a very common period of time. And so I I would be excited and I would start really pushing the teaching 
And I would do ABA, obviously. You can do speech as well. Get going on this. It doesn't matter what age he is. This is fabulous news that he has started to say some words. Same process. The only thing with our kids being older, as I said earlier, is that like we have a we have fewer years that anyone is willing to fund the intervention, but also they have school. So it kind of takes away from their time. So wherever possible, try to like reduce school and increase his one-to-one. Think of it that way, because a lot of times I say like, yeah, I know, like, you know, the kids at school are in special ed. They might be sitting and doing a worksheet on matching or something, which in some ways might help them organize their brain, but it's very important for them to learn language and social and communication. And those are the types of things you can focus on when you are doing a one-to-one program, an ABA program. You can select the things that are the most important. For me, whenever I work with a child, it doesn't matter what age they are, the very first thing I look at is how is this individual communicating with others? Because when you can't communicate, you become aggressive, frustrated, all these depressed, anxious, all these things. So I always really emphasize the communication, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, but that somebody needs to be working on that. So that's where I would go. Thank you. Now, Dark Angel has written back in about what are the four things that her son asks for. She says, you're right on the money. Yes, he asks for what he wants, like want blueberries, want iPad, give hands, want yogurt. Yay. So that's awesome. So that is perfect. And now what you're going to do is you're going to start, first of all, with all the ones that he has, start expanding them to I want yogurt. So like you could hold up three fingers, I want, some some sort of visual cue so that he knows that and model it for him and say, I want yogurt and have him say it and then you gradually fade yourself out. That So you're expanding the ones that he already has into three words, right? And you're adding a ton more, a ton more. So you could do activities, like go, I want go outside. Now we're into four words. You can do people. I want daddy, whatever it is. So you can start to give him a lot more mans right now. And that's where you want to really focus. And the way you do that is, first of all, you list, you know, you'll observe him for a week and see all the things that he is either getting by himself or trying pulling you by the hand or pointing to or whatever however he's communicating to you every single time he wants something you will stop and you will model for him what you want him to say and then he will say i want juice and you'll give it to him if he doesn't you model and have him imitate it doesn't matter as long as he says it and then you gradually will be like I, and then he'll say the rest, and then you'll get rid of you saying the whole thing. So you're just fading back so that he can say it by himself. Once you've hit like 20 of those mans, then you will start to really focus on tacting. And tacting is just like you said, he's you like you'll point to an object and he'll say what it is. You can start expanding those as well and start having him say, it is car or whatever it is. Start increasing the sentence length. Because once our kids understand that in general, it's not just one word, it's like more descriptive, then then their whole concept of language changes and they realize that they can have longer sentences. So for right now, just expand the mans, increase them, expand the length, expand the length of the text. Then as you keep doing that, come back and let us know. And then we'll start you on intraverbals relatively soon. You know, it's so, as you were describing all of this, of course, my mind goes right back to the living room when Peter Farrig was sitting there and teaching this with my son. And I just want to say to parents, when he was doing this with my son, I sat there and was filled with angst. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, is this going to work? I just don't know. And now, now that I know the end of the story at the time, it I was like, oh, on tenor hooks. But now that I know the end of the story, it is such a happy memory. Now, it's funny how the mind works because I can total pic- totally sit there picturing he had a paper plate with, uh, it was one of the only things that we did with food, but my, do- my, my son loved hot dogs. 
And so they got, they, you know, we had a paper plate that I had cut up in little pieces of hot dogs and Peter sat there with him. And first they taught him dog. And, and so, and they would, and every time he would say dog, they would give him a little piece of hot dog and he would chew on it. And then they taught him want dog. Yeah. And then it was, I want dog. I want more dog. I want more hot dog. I want more hot dog, please. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, he, now he says, well, in physics class today, we did X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I'm telling you, I couldn't see it then. I was like, how are we going to get from there to here? But it works. Listen to Dr. Grampy Shea. She knows what she's talking about. I mean, that's uh, how, that's exactly, that's a great example, Shannon, uh, that you gave. But, and also like, remember, even with you, the things you ask for, right? Like you might say, I want juice and I give you apple juice. And that's not what you wanted at all. You wanted cranberry juice. So it, it everything becomes more defined and more detailed. And that's how language expands. It's, and it's once you start to see it work, you will get excited too. You will be like me and you'll be like, ah, this is the best thing. Okay. So Missy wrote in and said, hi, Dr. Doreen. My son has recently been telling me that he's unable to focus at all, especially in school. Are there ABA techniques to help with this? He's 11. This happened more since he has had many changes at school. His BI was changed and also his therapist right after coming back from Christmas, he keeps hitting his head and saying he is stupid. He is frustrated with himself. I wanted to make sure we got to that. Okay. So this is happening in school. You need to immediately get the school involved, first of all, because any kind of change that occurs in school that it needs to kind of be written into his IEP. They need to realize that they have some level of responsibility towards helping you at this point, Missy. So I would really call for an IEP. I would call for an IEP and I would say, listen, I know this new BI might be okay or whatever, but you guys have changed. And I assume you're talking about a behavior intervention plan has changed and we got to do something because right now he is having a really hard time. Maybe it's his therapist. Maybe you need to provide further training for this individual, whatever it is, you know, you guys changed something over the holidays and things are not doing so well. Now I do want to point out that possibly, and I don't know where you are or when school started. A lot of times when our kids have a break and they go back, obviously it's a hard transition going back. So make sure the transition phase has changed. And if it is, if it has changed, and I love that he himself has come to you and said, I'm having a hard time focusing, find out about other things too. Like for instance, has his uh, location in the classroom changed. A lot of times, like if our kids are next to, you'd be surprised. I mean, I've had children sit, losing focus because now they're sitting closer to the vent and the sound of the vent is so high for them that they are distracted. Or now they're sitting next to a window and they can look out the window, whereas before they couldn't. Or now there's another student sitting next to them who smells a particular way. I mean, find out what has changed because that is super important. We don't usually go from, uh, you know, things like focus don't change like that. They don't change over overnight or over the period of a week. They just don't. So some other external factor is causing this, whether it is a dietary change, a location change. Uh, you know, someone in the class is making him feel not safe. I don't know, but and it could very well be a dietary change, like sugar, uh, a food additive, whatever it is. Um, you know, look into all of that and make sure while you're figuring this out that you explain to him that it isn't him at all and that things are going to be fine and that maybe he can help you figure out what has changed so that you can try to help uh, revert back to how he was doing. There you go. Uh, all great advice, but please let us know how it goes, Missy. Um, I, I just want to say Ka wrote back in and said, would an ABA centered based program be better than school where he gets zero one-on-one services? Um, and they've said that they're in California and looking into card centers. Could ADHD affect his ability to communicate and his academics? Yes. I mean, yeah. So, 
Yes, yes, yes. So first of all, if I if I had a choice, I would always select an, a full ABA program over school. That's just me. Because to me, academics don't matter if my child can't communicate. So you have to prioritize the things that are meaningful to you. In school, even if he had one-to-one, he's learning academics. So you need to deter, de- decide, is that what you want? You might want a little bit of each. It's, it's entirely up to you. But one-to-one is always going to be a better way of teaching. There's no question about that. So um, that's the first one. The second one is you're in California. That's great. You have a lot of options. Of course, Shannon and I have always recommended CARD. But at this point, I know that CARD also has wait lists. And I want you to just go after any program, any ABA clinic that will take your child and is willing to do an intensive program and will start right away. So that's what you need to focus on. That's very, very important. And wonderful. I think she also wrote that she's already done part of the diet, right? I believe so. Yes. That she that's, that's really great. And that's very, very good. Yes. Um, I, we just have a couple of minutes here and I want to make sure I get to this question that came in. Oh, the- and I'm sorry. One other part of it she asked was, could ADHD affect his ability to communicate on academics? Yes. ADHD affects everything. ADHD definitely affects everything. I mean, I tell my husband he has ADHD and I tell him, I don't know how you got through school because like absolutely everything is very hard because you're on a different speed. You're very, very fast. And so before someone finishes a sentence, your mind has already gone to another place. And there's a lot of behavioral techniques you can do as well to slow that down, but you don't have a lot of time. And at this point, I think the faster method is to, the use of medication to slow him down. There you go. I uh, want to say hi to Renee and Elvira who have written in and said that they have commented in Dr. Doreen on TikTok and that they love it. Thank as you. As do we all. But we did get this question that came in in the night and um, I think we're going to get more of these questions. Uh, they, I, it's a long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically this is a young person who is still living at home, but is an adult. I believe they said that they're 22 years old. Um, But they say both of my parents are on the spectrum. My mother is diagnosed. My father refuses to be tested, but would be a shoe in if he was, and that they are not on the spectrum. And they say, and rightly so, that there are zero resources for this situation, that it's rare, and that the resources are usually for, here's a neurotypical parent, and this is why little Bobby doesn't want to cuddle and everything else, you know, it doesn't address what they're talking about. The, the point of their question is that they want very much to connect with their parents and they're having a hard time. They're still living at home. Um, I, I sent it to you earlier. And I don't know if you had a chance to read through it, Dr. Grampichet, but they describe several different circumstances that were traumatic for them when they were a child because the parents are not... Um, able to take perspective. They are not very physically nurturing. Like sometimes she would like a hug. It's not in the mix, but at this point she would just like to connect and feels like what she does is goes to work, goes to school, and then is in her bedroom and doesn't have a way to connect with her parents. I will note that they said that they like to do the Harry Potter thing in their room. And so I'm sending them a big hug. My family has a very strong Harry Potter connection as Dr. Grampy Shea knows. So I'd love to hear from you personally, Shannon at autism-live.com. But Dr. Grampy Shea, um, she says, uh, what can I do to bridge the gap? I want to spend more time with my parents yeah. and socialize with them and stop being so upset by the things that they do or don't do with completely innocent intentions. I wasn't in a place to do that as a child when I was reliant on them, but now I'm older. It will be a lot easier if I just get some pointers. I don't want to make things worse. What do you want to say to her? First of all, you know, this is my hug to you today. Um, that's a very tough position to be in. Um, for Kudos to you for having figured out everything you have figured out and for being where you are. I think there's all of us at some point in life as adults come to the conclusion that our parents are not all we had 
wanted them to be, dreamed they were, hoped they were. Uh, sooner or later, once we become adults, we notice the the frailties and the weaknesses of our parents. Now, you know, noticing that on an earlier level is harder. The, the younger you are, the harder it is. But at some point, we all kind of accept that. And we we do two things. One is we begin to build our own families and our own closer circles, let's say. And the second, well, we do three things, I guess. And the second one is we learn from the things that really upset us. We learn not to do for our own family. And the third thing is we establish different relationships with our parents, very different Right. So it's not the relationship anymore where, uh, you know, they give to you the things that you want. It's more a relationship like friends where perhaps you find things that are of interest to both of you and then you pursue those things. You know, when a, a parent child relationship, the parent is mostly giving to the child. And but a friendship is kind of both ways. And so I think with what you need to do is develop friendships, relationships or your own family um, and receive the things you need, the hugs and the love and so on from that group. Don't move your expectations from the parents to another group because it is hard for them to they probably have all the same feelings but they towards you but they have a very hard time showing you expressing you their interest uh, their love and so on the fact that they would rather play a video game does not mean that they don't have love towards you it just means that that is a more prominent thing in their mind in their brain in their functioning so hopefully Harry Potter being a great one, hopefully there are maybe other similarities that you guys share and that you can build on those, but with different expectations, with expectations that you both will enjoy the time together. Um, and, you know, I, I, I feel really sad because sometimes we carry with us expectations that we had in childhood that were not fulfilled. And it sounds like maybe there's some of that here. And if there is, my biggest recommendation to you is to find another source that will help you relieve those feelings and to experience the closeness and contact and love and hugs and all the things that you that are important to you in that in that um, new entity. Yeah. I have a friend who has an expression that she uses all the time. She says, don't go to the hardware store looking for spaghetti and milk. Yeah. And yeah. it's so hard because there, there are people that you want something from and you keep going to the hardware store expecting that they're going to give you spaghetti and milk at some time. Absolutely. But, right. but you do, you can make the choice to go, oh, that's a hardware store. So I'm only going to go there for hammers and nails. And when I need spaghetti and milk, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Right. Um, and, and get yourself, find yourself a grocery store where it serves up what it is that you need. It doesn't mean that you never go to the hardware store, but you go to the hardware store for the things that a hardware store has. Yeah. Um, and you kind of compartmentalize. Um, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, but I'm sending you a hug because what a remarkable child that you're still willing at 22. A lot of people go, you know, I'm done. I didn't get what you wanted, what you gave me. So, you know, so I'm out, but I love that you're still wanting to find a way to connect. That's a really remarkable thing. Uh, I, I, we're out of time. So poker King, I can't even get to what you said, but I do want to say to people, if you haven't had a chance on Amazon to watch as we see it, it's the new series on Amazon um, from Jason Kadams. I do want to say with love to my autism uh, nation that I, I'm hearing from a lot of people uh, in, in the autism world that are saying, ah, I watched the first episode. I'm not sure this is the series we thought it was going to be. I want you to trust Jason Kadams. Get yourself to keep watching. Get yourself to the third episode. All the things that you want. You can trust him. They're all there. It's a lovely series. Make sure that you watch it. It's not to be missed. Um, so Dr. Grampy I want to thank you so much for being here and for Pleasure, sharing always. with us. 
Uh, we just love and adore you. Please check her out on Ask Dr. Doreen at Ask Dr. Doreen at TikTok. You can be tuning in all week long to ask her questions. Yeah. If we don't get a chance to answer your questions here, I'm happy to do so there. There you go. Um, and we're going to be back tomorrow. Tomorrow on the show, we've got, uh, oh, we've got uh, two gentlemen from uh, Spectrum Laboratories who are going to be joining us talking about some new projects that they're working on. We're really excited about that. And then on Thursday with, uh, with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, we've got an amazing mom, Marsha Easley, who's going to be joining us to tell us her autism family portrait. But we also, Dr. Grampuche, we have a young uh, gentleman on the spectrum who's going to be joining us who's an Elvis impersonator. Oh my God, that's so I got to tune in. We got it. So that'll be on Thursday. We can't wait uh, to have an opportunity to meet with him. We got lots of exciting shows coming up. So make sure that you subscribe, tune in, go to Autism Network, like, share, do all of those things. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Bye everyone.